0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by Dr. Noah Charney. He is a professor of art history, a best-selling author, the founder of ARCA, the Association of Research into Crimes Against Art, an unofficial ambassador for the Slovenian Travel Board and hosts a podcast which is related to that travel board called the Feel Slovenia Podcast. I caught up with Noah in Slovenia for a coffee and a burger And we chatted a lot about Slovenia, not just Bled and Ljubljana, but some other great tips in here too. And just bear in mind that my voice is quite loud, so the audio might be a tad bit high-end for my voice. Hope that's okay for you. Hope you enjoy the chat and inspires you to go and get that trip booked to Slovenia. Enjoy. Welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road, travelling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveller, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel, then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode.
1: Yes, I love you. Welcome
0: Dr. Noah Charney, to the show, how are you doing and where are we in Slovenia right now?
1: I'm doing great, I'm really excited to speak to you and we're in we're a really random little cafe in the outskirts of Ljubljana that happens to have really crazy good American style burgers with crazy toppings and so that's one of the reasons I thought to bring you here, it's a, like <laughs> a little island of Americana in Slovenia. Yeah, real
0: random location, I mean it's about 8 minutes, 9 minutes from the main train station to the train station next door. Very easy to get to. Um, let's talk about Slovenia, first of all.
1: Why are you here? So, there comes a time in a man's life when the <laughs> biological clock is ticking and I decided I wanted to get married. I okay. actually first decided I wanted to either buy a house or get a dog or get married. Mm-hmm. Whichever came first was fine with me. Yeah. Um, and I wound up finding the future Mrs. Charney in Slovenia, but before that I was basically auditioning European cities okay. with an eye out for potential <laughs> life partners. <laughs> right. Um, I've been a student for a long time. I was uh, living away from home since I was 16 because I went to a boarding school. Um, and like a psychologist would say, I was looking for stability um, in some form or another. But I also, since I was 16, I've wanted to live in Europe. Um, I studied on an abroad program through my boarding school in Paris. Yep. I just loved it. I yep. thought this was great. I felt more comfortable in Europe than in the U.S. And I was totally flexible as to where I might want to end up. <laughs> and so it was just a question of where the future wife uh, was from. And as long as I didn't marry an American, I was going to be fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I wound up meeting my wife while I was auditioning Slovenia as a place to live. Okay, um, And uh, we lived in various places since then. But when we decided to have kids, we... <laughs> Chose to move back here and um, I did a sort of a relatively objective study of quality of life versus cost of living in yes. Europe okay and to me Slovenia was by far the best choice oh, interesting. Um, not just because I like it personally but but from an objective perspective and so that's why we decided to be here and we've been here since uh, more than 10 years now okay and
0: what is Very quickly on that, what other countries were up there, do you think, in the running to be? So we, we lived
1: in Spain, the Netherlands, England, the U.S., And several places in Italy as well as Slovenia so I can't vouch for other places from personal experience but one of the things we looked at is um, how well you live based on a modest income because you can live well anywhere if you're very wealthy so that's not really an interesting question the question is if you have a normal person (laughs) where do you (laughs) feel like things are covered and Slovenia has the benefit of having The best holdovers from the socialist system, Mm -hmm. Um, it's got some elements of the socialist system that aren't ideal, no place is utopian, but things from especially an American perspective, you cannot believe that healthcare is basically free and of very high quality, Mm -hmm. that schooling is basically free and of very high quality. Um, the government really takes care of its citizens in a way that you don't feel is the case in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I'm delighted to pay taxes. Yes. And there's even a tax system here <laughs> that is like dreamy and almost utopian. So it, it's a pretty good package all around. And then, of course, when you have kids, things are important to you that didn't cross your mind before. Things like how safe is the country, how mm. clean. Yeah, um, And it's one of the safest countries in the world and one of the greenest. So it covers a lot of those bases.
0: I think my of Sevina was like a little, little idyllic outpost in the middle of Europe
1: slash, you know,
0: going towards the east, but like, not much information about it from my personal perspective. Like, oh, I know Ljubljana and stuff, I know Luka Doncic, the basketball player. But I just knew in my mind that this could be a great place to go and visit Lake Dead of course as well. And, and, First impressions are amazing to be fair. Oh,
1: I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, I, I basically haven't met any foreigner who doesn't love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only Slovenes who complain yeah. about it because, okay, usually because they don't have a point of comparison. Yes, it's so both as tourists but also as expats. The expats here are just think they're in heaven, okay. Um, and it's a great place to visit because it's relatively easy to cover all of it in a concise amount of time. Yeah, and it's got a real diversity of terrain from the Alps to the Adriatic coast, the Pannonian plains. Mm. Um, um, it's got an Italianate influence on one side, yeah. an Austrian influence on one side, and it's part of the Balkans, but barely. So all Just, of Slovenia yeah. is actually to the west of Vienna, and Vienna oh, yeah. is like the heart yeah. of yes. Middle Europe. Yeah. Yes. So geographically, it's actually west of middle europe but it's associated with former yugoslavia which spread out much further but slovenia has always been the most economically and culturally advanced of the former yugoslav states Mm -hmm. and more austrian-ish yeah so it's got this interesting um combination of cultural influences and also a really striking geography that makes it a good place for a visit.
0: Yeah, the geography is incredible. Um, before we get stuck into more Slovenia, just a quick backstory of yourself. You obviously said you grew up in the USA, so where was that?
1: I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut, which okay. is uh, halfway between New York and Boston. And the Northeast. Only reason, northeast the yep. only reason people might have heard of it is where Yale University is. Okay, got it. And what was your experience growing up in the USA? Well, I, I loved it. I. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had a really ideal upbringing. I was very lucky. I had uh, a really great uh, experience in, throughout my schooling from preschool on. Yeah. <laughs> and so I learned to really enjoy studying. Um, and I went to a boarding school in Connecticut and then I went to a college in Maine. Um, what, what, what it was for me is I like America just fine. But I always, for some reason, felt really at home in Europe. And I spent okay. a lot of time in France because yep. my mother taught French. Okay. Um, and would accompany students on an abroad program to France. and My father and I would tag along. Yeah. Um, And then later on, I was studying Italian art history, spent a lot of time in Italy, Mm -hmm. and it just felt extra great everywhere (laughs) I was in Europe. And it was literally everywhere. There isn't a place I visited in Europe that I didn't feel like, oh, I could live here. So for whatever reason, um, that seemed to me like it was a good destination.
0: It's weird how you could just know it feels like home, isn't it? I wonder, because I think about this question a lot, what do I feel as home? I think the only place I've really felt home is Australia.
1: That's um, six. So did you have a connection with Australia? No connection it? whatsoever.
0: Maybe just the first impressions. Lived there for a year. Just felt right. Thank New you. Zealand, pretty close second. Um, but the only problem is they're so far away. <laughs>
1: That's the thing, yeah. Yeah. For me, that might have been trickier. Maybe it was easier for me because from high school on, I was living away from home already. Of course, yeah. Um, And uh, I basically don't know that many people back where I grew up in the U.S. now. And my parents parents are, are at, we have a family house in Italy, and my parents are there most of the time. Yeah. So I still see them. Yeah. Quite regularly, and uh, maybe it would have been different if I had like a whole nucleus back home. Yeah. But that's maybe a benefit of leaving home at a relatively early age is you feel like um, the world is your potential landing spot. You don't feel like that yeah. gravitational pullback to a single location.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure there's plenty of Americans who don't have that. They just stay at home one place, and sure. which is fine if they like it.
1: Uh, very,
0: very quickly, you've got an extensive resume when I was doing my research. Um, you've got masters in art history, crimes against art, you've got a PhD as well. You also went to Cambridge University, which is pretty cool. And your PhD was here in Slovenia at Ljubljana University. So is that where,
1: during your PhD
0: years, where your love for Slovenia sort of developed,
1: would you say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it started very specifically in the fall of 2006. <laughs> yeah. So I loved Cambridge. But um, I started to feel a little bit antsy. Um, It was very small, very small place. Yeah, um, uh, I was wanting to travel and explore more, and so I spent a lot of time in Rome. Yeah, and then tracked like auditioning other places that I might like to live while doing research for the PhD. Um, But a couple things happened simultaneously in the fall of two thousand six. One is my first book sold, and I got very lucky. It sold for enough that I was able to live as a writer. Oh, wow. That's great. And I basically had uh, my PhD supervisor in Cambridge wasn't so crazy about my first year submission. (laughs) And so I basically have to start from scratch and approach from a different angle. Oh, okay. And I thought, okay, do I want to do this? And if I did that, I probably wouldn't have been able to go on a book tour and support what appeared to be my career as a writer. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I was living in Ljubljana yeah. for three months thinking to write a novel that would take place there. Yeah. But while I was there, I met with the director of the architecture museum because I was interested in this architect, Jose Plecznik. Okay. Plecznik is the probably the only A1 level artist uh, that Slovenia has produced. He was a modernist architect but really unique. Architectural historians love him. Most people haven't heard of him because his work is in Vienna, Prague, and Slovenia. And he was never part of a big movement, but he was doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. So he's like an auteur, and you have to be a a big fan, but if you go to Ljubljana, you see some buildings or spaces in the city and they look interesting. Mm -hmm. He's probably the one who designed it because he has a real imprint on the city. It's his city, really.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I was meeting with the director of the museum, and I, I was expressing interest in, in Pličnik, and he said, maybe you have a colleague at Cambridge who would be interested in, in taking on this PhD project. And he pulls out this big folder with photocopies of every archival document someone would need, <laughs> and he clumps it on the table. And I just met my future wife. Yeah. I just sold my first book. Yeah. And so I, it took about two weeks to decide, and then I transferred from Cambridge to University of Ljubljana, mm-hmm. shifted subject matter, so I, my PhD is actually in the history of architecture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, moved in with a wife and became a writer full-time. Wow. And I wound up finishing the PhD. there, but that was almost uh, an afterthought because it was just it, it seemed like an easy thing to yes. do. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I began uh, my Slovenia career.
0: And you've written a serious amount of books I mean across different types of genres yeah. as well, haven't you? I saw a post on your Instagram today about your cooking yeah. books, That yeah. you actually like, look at them.
1: Yeah. It's
0: like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say officially, unofficially, like, oh yeah, yeah one of my favorites. Like, yeah. yeah, you've written an extensive yeah. different type yeah, of Yeah, there's
1: more than 20 now. Yeah. Um, the main thing I'm known for is, is the study of art crime, so mm-hmm. art, theft, and forgery, but I also teach art history, so I'm yeah. usually writing about one of the two, but what for me has been fun is... Um, and refreshing is branching out a bit. So one thing is writing about food and travel. Yeah. It really fun and was new for me. Mm-hmm. And the other is writing about Slovenia. Yeah. And this is really very new, but I started writing some magazine pieces um, mm-hmm. For a while I was the guardian travel person for Slovenia oh, nice, yeah. um, and I wrote about them in that Washington Post and National Geographic and here and there. Um, and then I started seeing that I had enough material and the work I was producing was interesting, not just for foreigners but for Slovenes too. And that's oh, wow. what I thought was cool. Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting is Slovenes are fascinated if a foreigner likes it here. I think this is great. Did did, 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 did I think why? I think that there's a general impression from decades ago that um, you go elsewhere for a good life. Not that there's. That's probably a (laughs) holdover of (laughs) Yugoslav times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And especially like America is. The, the, the dreamland. Of course, in yeah. reality, it's yeah. not, but that was the idea. Yeah. There's actually a term, a slang term, Toya America. That's America, meaning that's super great. Right. <laughs> okay. yeah, that, that's a clear sign they haven't <laughs> lived here. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so people are delighted. Also, when foreigners come and say they like it here, or when a slogan does well abroad, those are the signs of, of um, success. Yeah. Yeah. There are also a lot of local habits, trends, things that I notice because they're new for me. That mm-hmm. for Slovians, are so quotidian that they're just used to it. They see it every day, so why would they bother asking? Yeah. And I'm always wanting to, not just observe, but research a little bit and ask why we do these traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, why do they wear slippers in the house and not shoes? Why do, does everyone greet people on their birthday the exact same formal way, using the exact same words? Yeah. These sort of things. And they don't even think twice about it. No. So one of the things that's delighted me is my writing about Slovenia from a perspective of a foreigner who is totally in love with the country, so I never write anything negative because I don't think anything negative, um, Slovenes also find it interesting. So I have this double role as like cheerleader for Slovenia for foreign guys and Slovene enthusiast for locals who kind of can't believe that an American would prefer to live here. Yeah, it's very interesting that. Is that are those books
0: written in Slovenian and English?
1: There's a there's a bunch of them. The one that I'm best known for here is called Slovenology. Yeah, that's yours. And Instagram. that's in English yeah. and Slovene. Yeah. And interestingly it's equally popular in both languages. It was a bestseller in both languages, yeah. so it's only for sale here in print form. On Amazon you can get the ebook. Okay, cool. Then um, some of the cookbooks are the fruit of my having the fortune of being basically the only Anglophone writer in the country. Yeah. Um, so I get to collaborate on all these cool projects. So, for example, I wrote the essays for a cookbook that's also a travel book with one of the most famous chefs here. Okay. Um, and I just finished a book that came out in the fall about Gorishka Burga, which is right on the Italian border, mm-hmm. so it's a region I knew less about, and it's one of the, the great wine terroirs for white wine oh. in the world. Okay, wow. And yeah. so it's a book about a special type of indigenous grape called Rebula mm-hmm. that's only found an originally in this border region between Italy and Slovenia. That's always
0: like Trieste, Um, area?
1: Just north of Trieste, that's the region. Um, And so these kind of opportunities are really special Ah. and fun and let me stretch my legs a little bit.
0: Yeah, you might as well because there's so many different angles you can go into, like of Slovenian culture. That's brilliant. Okay, let's get into Slovenia. I've got some questions for you. Um, We've kind of talked about um, when you first came in and why you're here. Where do you live in Slovenia?
1: I live in a town called Komnik, okay. which is just at the foot of the Komnik Savinia Alps range. Okay. So the north of Slovenia, there are three Alps ranges. The yeah. Julian Alps, the Karavanks, and the Komnik Savinska Alps range. And Komnik is this cute little medieval town. It's about ten thousand people. Yeah. Um, it's got three castles in it. Okay. You walk out the center of town and you can go on a hike up up into the, the mountains, yeah. and it's got a lot of very easy, beautiful access to alpine nature, and it's a really cute, quaint town. Um, for your American listeners, it's like the alpine equivalent of a Norman Rockwell painting. It's like super gee whiz cutie. Yeah. Um, Everybody's friendly, everybody knows everybody in a really charming way. Okay. So it's been a great place to live and a great place to raise kids.
0: Brilliant. Okay. And in your opinion, someone visiting for the first time, this is Slovenia, maybe five things they've got to check out.
1: Okay. So I'm glad you asked this because there are two things that everybody's heard of, but those are usually the only two things. Everybody goes to Ljubljana and to Lake Blade. Yep. Lake Bled is one of the most beautiful places on Can't the planet. Yes, yeah. um, it's so beautiful it's almost twee. That's a word you'll know, but your um, maybe foreign guests won't, because I learned this when I was in the UK. <laughs> twee is like so cute that it's almost too cute. Like it looks. Do you know, like I don't know that to, term. That's not okay. Yeah. This is something that I learned from some, some <laughs> friends from Farnborough, England. Used to say it all the okay. time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a Farnborough bro thing, yeah. I'm sure. So. Um, <laughs> I, I was just um, uh, signed up to work with Bled Tourism okay. to do a podcast in English and to do a book like Bledology, like yeah. By oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah, adventure yeah. adventure around Bled. Yeah. And Bled has... Not too many tourists, but enough. But they all go to the center, they all get a special cake called a kvemshnita, which is a cream cake. Lovely. Everybody goes on a boat ride to the island, and everybody visits the castle, which you must do. Yes. But the question is, what else are you going to do? Because in the summer, it's so bunched up there that um, they don't have room for anyone else, and there's lots of other exciting things to do. Okay. So for me, what I like to do is experiential travel. Journalism sounds fancier than it actually is, but basically I want to go do something yes. and write about my experience of doing it, and especially if I'm bad at it or don't know what I'm doing, it's usually better than if somebody's really professional. Yeah. So self-deprecating, I'm gonna try doing fill-in-the-blank activity, and I want to meet a protagonist who's like the person to talk to about whatever the activity is, yes. and through them and through my experience, write about it Brilliant. and um, what I found is people enjoy reading that and then they want to do the same thing mm-hmm. and so that's the goal is trying to do these experiences and so I'm doing this throughout the country so Lublin is led absolutely yeah. but the question is where do you go next yes and I like sending people to Kamnik. Which has a different vibe.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, There's a lot to do there. There's a lot of castles to visit. It was briefly the microbrewery capital of the world. The most microbreweries per capita. So it's got a beer culture.
0: Yeah. Even more than Portland.
1: More um, because it's such a small population. Yeah. Yeah. And so more per capita. Oh, yeah. And then if if you're into coffee, it has this now European wide famous coffee roastery called Stowe. So yeah. there's, a, there's plenty of stuff to do there. So Kamnik is number three. Yeah. Then I would send people to Gorishka Berda to do wine tastings and prosciutto tastings. Okay. Gorishka Berda is the setting for this book of mine, Gold Wine. Yeah. It's a totally different vibe because it's on the border with Italy. Mm-hmm. And great wine tastings and great prosciutto. And then the fifth one, I would probably send people to um, the coastal region. just so they get yeah. a different vibe. Yes. And yeah. to the town of Piran which feels a little bit Venice-like, and it's lovely, charming, and there you get a real diversity. You get mountain Slovenia, Adriatic Slovenia, Mm -hmm. Italian style, and a city in one package. And the distances are small, so Ljubljana to Bled, 40 minutes, Ljubljana to Kamnik, 30 minutes, Ljubljana to Goriska Barda, about an hour, Ljubljana to Piran, about an hour. And would you
0: recommend... In terms of traveling
1: there, is it by car, by train, or? Car by far the easiest. Okay. The train system is okay, but not everywhere is connected. Okay. And it's safe and easy to travel by car. Yeah. So renting a car is by far the best way to do it.
0: Okay. And what is the best time of year to visit, would you say?
1: Um, depends what you want to do. If you want to engage with any winter sport activities, which oh, is great here, then, yeah. then winter, yes. I think I would say um, late spring and early fall would be the best if you can get away then. Yeah, um, summer is also lovely. Mm. Um, it's re- there are four distinct seasons, so it depends how much you want to engage with it. But it's yep. neither too hot nor too rainy. It's sad. it's pretty pretty okay. So <laughs> I'd say May or September, if you can choose, would be the best two times. And what about
0: this time of year that I'm I'm here right now? What what's it known for well, this time of year? Maybe we're, or? we're meeting
1: up in March. Yeah, um, you just missed a really random cool celebration. I'm afraid this is oh. called. It's linked to Carnival and Lent. It's called Curentovania. Okay. And Curentovania takes place primarily, well, the most famous example of it is in a city called Petui, P-T-U-J, which is lots of fun to say. And that's a medieval town, it actually dates back to ancient Roman times, it was already a town then. And the current is um, a celebration in which uh, locals dress up as benevolent demons, so they have a special costume that's a sheepskin coat turned inside out yeah. so, the, so it looks furry. A huge um, mask that looks like a bear's head but is much taller than the person in it, Yeah. with bull horns. They wear a belt studded with cowbells, so they make a lot of noise. They have streamers, uh, colored streamers, hanging off their horns. They have a leather tongue that hangs out of the mouth, and they carry a club that looks sort of like a mace made out of a hedgehog skin. Wow. And the idea is that they are friendly demons who chase away winter and invite in the spring. And it's actually probably a Celtic... Rituals, mm-hmm. So, Pagan going way back. It's not even Slavic specific. It's okay. going as far back as you like yeah. because there are su- surprisingly similar looking traditions. It looks really weird when you think this is unique, but there are surprisingly similar traditions basically across the band of mountains through the middle of Europe from the Pyrenees all the yeah. way across to the Carpathians and it's all ex- Celtic territory, but not all ex Slavic territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it's a parade, and uh, lots of schnapps is drunk, and you have these special (laughs) giant donuts filled with um, apricot marmalade called coffee that you eat, and it's just, it's like a party, but with this very unusual looking tradition, and that's at the end of February each year. Okay.
0: And next, or this weekend, isn't there one for like a Valentine's type thing? Like, we saw some signs in the says love. The Love Festival L U V.
1: That's a, that's something that's newer that I'm not familiar
0: okay. with. Okay. I'm
1: sure it's gonna be good. <laughs> I
0: think it's more like Valentine's Day, oh, yeah, but yeah. the Slovenians um I've done it this weekend and on a Sunday apparently, which is the day we leave, but it's unfortunate. Okay, and also I've got here, in terms of getting into Slovenia, it could be air travel, it could be train. I mean, obviously, international airport, and imagine here in Ljubljana. Like, is that, like, for my American listeners, for example,
1: it's going to be a bit of a journey, right, to get to Ljubljana? Yeah, you can't fly directly from the US. You have to go through somewhere else. Yeah. But, um, if you're within Europe, especially if you're in London, then um, you could fly directly to Ljubljana, but Airport. Yeah. Um, or you can fly uh, easy to, used to go to Klagenfurt, which is in Austria, but right across the border. Yes. So it's an, an hour drive to Ljubljana. Yeah. And it used to be Ryanair to Trieste, which is also an hour from Ljubljana. Yeah. Um, you might think you're going to the wrong country, but it's literally right on the border. Florida, yeah, um, yeah. If you were to rent a car from there, then it's no problem. Yeah. Um, if you're going from further abroad, you know, one of the easiest things, I'm not sure how many people are going to travel across the Atlantic just to go to Slovenia, even if maybe they should. They don't show so to. too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. combining it with a trip either to Venice or Vienna is probably the the most obvious. Yes. Venice is only two hours away. Yeah. Vienna is three hours away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So those are two obvious choices, or if you're doing like the Croatian coast, which is hugely popular in the summer on Dalmatia, Mm -hmm. um, depending on where you are on it, you can go as far down as Dubrovnik, which is seven hour drive, but that's also not the end of the world if you go then up the coast of Slovenia. Mm. So combining it with a second place is probably the best way to construct a whole holiday. But I would say give yourself five to seven days in Slovenia, even if it looks small, because in that amount of time, you get a feeling like you've covered it nicely, Mm. but there's, I would say, Say there's more to do than you realize
0: yeah and then budget wise i mean it's a tough question but
1: is it budget friendly would you it, say? Is, it yeah. is i have to say you know um having traveled a lot it's uh, very reasonably priced one yeah. of one of the ways you can indicate is like how much does a coffee cost yes. um can you get a lunch? meal and fill yourself up for a reasonable amount time. So coffee is basically a euro but and um, it's fairly easy to eat for five euros and you're full. Yeah. So those to me are signs that it's reasonably priced, mm-hmm. um, depends where you're going to go. Ljubljana and Bled are going to be expensive relative to elsewhere if you're anywhere outside of it it's going to be there are places you can stay for you know 40 euros a night quite easily Mm -hmm. um, if you avoid Ljubljana and Bled Um, and car rentals are pretty reasonable. um, so I think, relative to elsewhere in Europe, it's it's reasonably priced. I think I already want to come back because only here yeah, for on, two or three days. Out, yeah, and I <laughs> need to get a car out. <laughs> I
0: just want to do Slovenia as it. Yeah. No, no, I just want to do the whole country. Sure. Yeah, so I'm already thinking my mind when to come back. Yeah. Um, talking about, you mentioned food there. Any local dishes that people should try?
1: There's all sorts of good stuff to try. I'm. I'll tell you some of the national dishes, yeah. and then I'll tell you one or two that are so hyper-local that you need to go to a specific village to eat them. And that's oh, wow. what I find even oh, more interesting. That's amazing. And that's yeah. what Slovians usually find interesting because they even haven't heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So national dishes to try, if you're going to try a wine, and this wine called the Rebula, which is the one I wrote a book about, is um, indigenous grape and it's really lovely dry white wine. Yeah. Potica is the national dessert. It looks sort of like a round bunt cake mm-hmm. and it's usually um, a rolled cake that has... Um, walnuts in it as the primary flavoring and we make for holidays yeah um, but it's best if you have a, a grandmother to make it because it's a pain in the butt to make it. <laughs> also gibanitsa is another one another pain in the butt to make it. it's a multi-layer cake that has like pastries and it has poppy seeds, apples, curd cheese and um, walnuts in, in a stack Yeah. Um, and then there are lots of dishes that you can pick, but I like what are called Enolonschnitzel. It basically means a meal in a bowl. Mm -hmm. And we would call them a variety of stews. But I love if you go for like a short day hike and you're on a mountain hut with a beautiful view and then you get one of these things. There's a variety of them. Gulash is not Slovene specific, but you will have heard of gulash before. That's mostly Hungarian. Yeah. But the things that are Slovene, there's something called trichet, which is basically a barley stew. Obara, which is a veal stew, um, Yota, which is a sauerkraut and bean-based stew. Yeah. all these are really good. So these are the kind of things that I usually look forward to eating. Okay, and the following question is a question from
0: Instagram. So on Swamp Soup Stickers, <laughs> they asked about vegan food. Is it vegan-friendly here?
1: It's a good question. When I first moved here, it was not at all. It was not right. vegetarian-friendly either. The yeah. only thing they could come up with for a vegetarian is like frozen vegetables or fried cheese. Okay. Thankfully it is completely different now. Yeah. And it is vegan friendly. Ljubljana is super vegan friendly. Those options here isn't. No problem at all. Go outside of Ljubljana, it may be a step trickier. Um, but Ljubljana is going to be easy to do. Yeah. It's now easy to find. The vegetarian options are easier than vegan when you get outside the city. If you go to these mountain huts and whatnot, yeah. it may be trickier. Yeah. Um, but Ljubljana, absolutely. Then just to give you an example of a hyper-local dish. Yes, please. Because to me, this yeah, is yeah. charming. Yeah. So near Bled, yeah. there is a village called Zasip and you'd sneeze and walk right past it. But it is the world capital for cooking with dried pears. Oh, okay. It's so random, you're like, why would anybody care? But that's the kind of thing that I think is fun because it's so random, it's completely unique. And there was a time a couple hundred years ago when they were part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and Maria Theresa, the Empress, made a declaration that all communities, rural communities, had to plant a special type of tree, pear tree, that would survive anything. And they would usually plant it along the roads. And if you didn't plant it, then some policeman would come and whack you with a stick. And so the pears were called tepke. Tepati means to hit someone. So it's a a kind of joke on that. But it's a good thing she did, because there were times of famine, and this village is an example, where they ran out of wheat, and they developed a technique to dry these pears, grind them into a flour, yeah, and use them instead of wheat flour. Oh, okay, and they still do this, and there's one little old lady who's adorable, Bojana Pipan, okay. who's like the keeper of the, the flame for this tradition. Yeah, yeah, And she teaches people these traditional recipes, and you can make anything you like that you would make out of wheat flour out of dried pear flour. Yeah, and it's gluten free and it works. Make cakes, breads, you name it. Like savory
0: and sweet. Savoury and sweet And she can teach you And she teaches
1: you how to do it. That's an, an amazing thing. To, to me that's yeah. really fun and and very much not on the normal tourist path.
0: Okay, that is actually kinda of lets me not, not next question really, but like I said personal favourite activity of yours. It might not be a personal favourite, but that's a great activity that it's just not to be found on any blogs, is it? Really that much? So hope I can. I'm not trying to do that in public, but we're we'll going yeah, do tomorrow. Sure. Yeah.
1: So personal favorite activity yeah. that you probably haven't done but you should: a yeah. schnapps tasting.
0: Schnapps. Okay. So right.
1: I don't know what it's like in England. In America, we don't really know from schnapps. We've heard of it, mm. but my only association was. Um, a sort of overly sweet liquor that goes in those cocktails from the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> is that where, like uh, so yes. yeah. Schnapps is, is the generic term here for a clear um, alcohol distilled usually from apples. Mm-hmm. And it's really good and very sophisticated flavor combinations you can add to it. and I have been an international panel of judges, like okay. eight dudes <laughs> from the village of me, but it was officially international. <laughs> yeah. And they have schnapps tastings. And it's something the communities do together. They have a where you have prizes. Yeah, um, cool. Just about everyone has a relative who makes schnapps at home. Okay. So not that long ago, you could hardly buy it at a store. Wow, okay. Um, and and um, I host a couple times a year uh, a tour through an American company called Atlas Obscura and it's forced to table in Alpine Slovenia. Mm-hmm. And we go with a forager yeah. into the forests and forage and then cook with what we make. And twice we have schnapps tastings. Oh. And one of the schnapps tastings that I could recommend that Boris Johnson engaged in while he was on honeymoon in Yezersko. I don't know if that's a plus or a minus for listeners. Personally, uh, it's a, curi- a minus. A curiosity. But <laughs> yeah, curiosity. <laughs> he did his honeymoon in Yezersko which is not Never. far from Bled yeah. in Slovenia, yeah. and he tried the schnapps of one of my buddies, Tanya Rebol, yeah. who calls herself the Blonde Witch of Jezersko, <laughs> and she makes these amazing schnapps combinations, including one that tastes like apple strudel. Uh, nice. And they all yeah. have medicinal properties too. Mm-hmm. So, favorite thing to do or to take foreign guests to, a schnapps tasting, provided someone else drives.
0: Brilliant, okay, that's a great tip, love that. And I've heard you here speak Slovenian, so you can speak Slovenian sure, yeah. fluently
1: fluently with a grammatical error in every sentence, because I never learned it formally. I never okay, took a lesson. Right. I learned mostly with my mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, but I've been told I should never learn. I've been told it's cute that I speak fluently, but with errors mm. all the time. Without,
0: for- like, like, without formal... Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so if yeah. I learned to speak correctly, it would be no longer interesting. So I will remain at this yeah definitely.
0: That could be quite advantageous in the future, I think. And also, for people coming here, speaking English is fine.
1: Um, English is really universally spoken. Okay. Anyone under the age of 50 is gonna speak at a very yeah. high level, so it's yeah. super easy for travels. But I was also
0: keen to maybe earn a few, sorry, learn a few words in just to help you.
1: I, the thing is that if you try at all, they're so delighted that you bothered. Yeah, It's not like in France where they'll immediately <laughs> switch to English yeah. and like, why are you wasting my time? Yeah. People are so delighted for you to say anything that it's worth Learning a few words,
0: okay, brilliant, that's great. And also, what can tourists like me come to Slovenia how can we endear ourselves to the locals? And the reason I asked this is I was in Venice, I asked this question because there's a lot of things that you shouldn't do in Venice, but like for Slovenia, anything that you could do just to maybe I know language is one of them, just to endear yourself to the locals?
1: I mean, trying to speak the language a little bit and then trying to go outside of the bled Ljubljana tourist bubble, yeah. Um, I think. People, no one here is tired of tourists because we don't have an overdose. That's one of the good things. Yes. Um, But people will be really pleasantly surprised to see a tourist outside of those two destinations, which get essentially too many. Yeah. Um, And so that's where the fun is to be had. Um, And especially if you ask a local for a recommendation of a place to eat or something to do. That's great, and then the other thing is if you're interested in travel with outdoor activities, yes. things like hiking or skiing are obvious, but even sometimes more surprising things like ice climbing, if you wanted to try that. okay, um, It's a really good place to try that, it's very accessible, they have really good guides, it's safe, everybody oh, yeah. speaks English, and the distances are such that you can easily do half-day trips.
0: Okay, and for Lake Bled, for example, I'm going to concentrate on that for a second, sure. Obviously you get the bus into town, you mentioned that. Is there anything just around like Bled that people yeah. should do that? It's not really talked so about much. one
1: thing that I would recommend if you enjoy cooking at all mm-hmm. is on Bled Island, you could spend the whole day there, it's tiny. Okay. But you take a boat called a plitna, yeah. which looks a little bit like a gondola, but it's wider. And it's yeah. been for hundreds of years, the same families have run these boats. Awesome. You can also take an electric motorboat, but this is the main way to do mm-hmm. it. You take it to the island, and there, there's a place called Putichnica, which is a cafe that only serves putizza, the national dish, but with a uh, national dessert, but with lots of different fillings. Right. And if you book ahead of time, I can give you the phone number. Yeah. <laughs> you can get um, a lesson in how to make putizza, And they make it with you. Yeah and you bake it, and you get to take home your own, the vessel that you bake it in is made of clay, and you take it home with you, mm-hmm. and it's like a really nice thing. It doesn't take long, it's about an hour, but you're learning to make the dish, yeah. you get the recipe and the vessel in which you bake it, and you can take it home with you afterwards and bake it for friends, but it's like one step more interesting than just being served it. Yes. So that would be one thing. Yeah. Uh, you can do the whole walk around the lake, which oh, not to do. Yeah. It's lovely. It's yeah. not too long. I think it's seven kilometers yeah, or something. Like, yeah, um, there's a spectacular castle yeah. with a good museum in it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in doing something a little bit sporty, there's like um, outdoor activities like zipline trail yeah. in the in the trees, um, and uh, you can do a sort of historical coffee crawl. There's a place called Villa Bled that has a cafe that's open to the public. That used to be Tito's official residence at Lake Bled. Right. We have three main residences yeah. in Belgrade, on an island called Brioni, yeah. on the Dalmatian coast, and in Bled. Wow. Um, so that's something else to do. Yeah. Um, And then there's, if you need more time for this, but it's a famous wellness retreat dating back about 200 years. There's a guy named Rikli who developed uh, a wellness system and people from all over the Austro-Hungarian Empire would come for wellness retreats there. So, um, yeah, that's cool. wellness, outdoorsy day, and then you have to eat Kremschnitte, okay. which is, the German word means cream slice, and it's the iconic cake of Lake Bled. Okay. So, that's those are like the de rigueur things that one must do when visiting. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's already a full day or two yes yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah.
0: And of course, people are going to fly into or get into ljubljana Specifically, ljubljana is there stuff that people should definitely
1: see. Yeah. Um, I once wrote... Uh, a city guide to Ljubljana for the Guardian, where I have step by step, and one of the things that is great is doing the Plechnik walk. So Plechnik is that famous architect, but there are guided tours where you can lead yourself on one that basically links up all of the most interesting parts of the city through his architecture. So it's a nice way to do a little bit of culture, but just to take a walk around the city. Going to the main market is fun up until noon, and just I think seeing markets in different countries in itself interesting Let's see mm-hmm. what's for sale like there's a really lovely sauerkraut lady okay like, <laughs> <laughs> <Marietka. laughs> you can say hi for me yeah. and she has award-winning sauerkraut yeah um, if you have time for lunch and you want a more sit-down formal thing um, I wrote a cookbook with a buddy of mine who is probably Ljubljana's most famous chef his nickname is Jay Lee and it's a sit-down like Michelin level restaurant but it's surprisingly reasonably priced um, and it's worth something as a special treat and it's at the edge of the city center, you should walk up to the castle Um, and then just wandering the old town Ljubljana has the highest percentage of pedestrianized city center in Europe it, so, look, it
0: looks that way yeah. from the first impressions yeah. last and night. it's yeah. lovely
1: for, for strolling around and yeah. you can't really get lost. Like along the river is yeah. nice. And, so yeah. I like to pick a theme. So for yeah. example, since you like coffee, yeah. Um, I wrote an article once, the Ljubljana Specialty Coffee Crawl. I don't know how much coffee you can handle, but a lot. It sounds it's, like, it's like six places yeah. and it's, it's mostly an excuse to wander the city, but to me it's more fun if there's like um, a guiding line yeah where you go. Right. So, this is
0: another good thing to track. Great thing to do. Okay. And this kind of leads on to you do a podcast. So, you, you said that before the recording, unofficially, Part of the Slovenian Tourism Board, yeah. like official, trying uh, to help them out. So. I'm
1: an unofficial ambassador, yeah. but I do a lot of things for them. So, yeah. like, I appeared recently in a promotional video for Slovenian Tourism, that, yeah. um, and I do host the uh, official English language podcast for Slovenian Tourism. And I was totally delighted mm. two days ago. I heard it got a gold medal for, at an international tourism festival. i sort of not on the expecting at all, so yeah. I was really pleased. It's called "Feel Slovenia," the podcast. Yeah, um, my wife does the sound production I do the interviewing yeah. um, and it's meant to introduce foreigners to things in Slovenia they might not otherwise get to do. Okay. And I'm about to start making another one for Blid. Yes. So yeah. this for me is great fun it's just another medium through which I can introduce people to my favorite country. And you interview
0: locals and tourists? Or? It's a combination you know I may spin this around and interview you because oh, yeah.
1: I'm often interviewing Foreign travel writers or podcasters mm. about what they like about Slovenia. Yeah. And then a lot of Slovenes as well. So yeah. it combines some Slovene celebrities like famous athletes no, um, or chefs. Like not I'm not going to interview not not next not week Anna Roche, who was the World Female Chef of the Year a few years ago and is among the world's best chefs. Yeah. And then uh, little quirky experiences you can do. So I want it to be experience based. So we're going to have one. We had one, for example, about Mm Kures. So that's the festival I mentioned. Where I interviewed someone who participates in it. Yeah. I interviewed a British photographer who came to cover it. Yeah. And I interviewed an American uh, writer for Forbes who was also writing about it. Trying to get a more multi-dimensional view. So I might be calling on you uh, for a future episode.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I am more than welcome to come on. And also. Where can people find find it?
1: So, um, if you just Google Feel Slovenia podcast, mm-hmm. um, you'll find the website, but it's on all the podcast platforms Spotify, Apple, yeah. whatever you mean.
0: And your personal website? Because you've you obviously written a lot of yeah. books, you've got a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, What's everything's
1: that? on noacharney.com. Yeah. And um,
0: people can find all your art stuff on there. Yeah. All your uh, articles as well. That all all the
1: books, almost all the articles. Also, yeah. the, I sometimes do TV hosting where um, I hosted a BBC radio program, all yeah. that stuff. The links are, links are on there. Brilliant. I'll put that
0: in the show notes Great. so that would be great and normally I finish the episode yeah with some quick fire travel questions these are general travel so okay. this could be not slovenia like elsewhere and they're kind of quite random so quick fire what comes into your head hey yeah just a quick one I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast you can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with five dollars or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy such as t-shirts jumpers hoodies and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for travelling, podcasts and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Um, I will start off with how many countries have you traveled to?
1: I've never counted, but I've only really been to Europe plus Costa Rica, so it's kind of lame. I think I've probably been to about 12, something like that. That's
0: not too bad. That's okay. And one fact about Slovenia that people might find interesting.
1: Um, I think probably it's a surprise that it has... um, been the greenest country in Europe and it got an award from National Geographic. I'm not sure if that's a surprise, but that's something that is is, is noteworthy if um, green travel is important to you and sustainable travel.
0: It's got to be, right? Going in the future? It's got yes. to be. Okay, three countries that you've not traveled to that you'd love to visit next.
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm really curious to visit Istanbul. I haven't okay. been there. Yeah. Um, Australia. Yeah. And Japan. Okay you, you got to save up for those. They are
0: expensive trips. Uh, Istanbul might Istanbul be okay, but get, they were yeah. too expensive. If you could sit anywhere in the world with a cup of coffee and watch the world go by, that's not Slovenia. Where would you pick? What city?
1: Paris is really fun for that. You just park at a cafe all day and see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's definitely up there. Okay. Three cuisines internationally that are your favorites.
1: Um, okay. Lebanese. Yeah. Italian. Yeah. And Korean.
0: Okay and a favourite walk or hike that you've participated in?
1: So I love hiking up Velika Planina, which is another thing that would be on your to-do list if you're here a bit longer. Yeah. It's this mountain pasture plateau that looks like out of Lord of the Rings yeah. and has its own unique traditions linked to it. Um, and people have been leading animals to pasture there since the Bronze Age. Okay. And I go every year for a couple of days and stay in a little hut with my family and we do uh, hikes. So that's probably my first. Okay.
0: And three Slovenian figures that people should check out just to learn about the culture and the
1: country. Lugodont is the most popular Slovenian and a great ambassador and just like a wonderful Person. Yeah, he is, he's a nice guy, so, Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think if you're interested in food, uh, Ana Roche is the highest profile, but I'm quite partial to JB, Yanas Bratos, who's my chef buddy who yeah. wrote a cookbook with me. Um, and then a third person, um, I think that getting interested in um, winter sports culture is interesting. So I was a huge fan of Tina Maze, who had a season that was the best season by any skier in history, male or female. And um, she was someone to, to really cheer for. So she, it's a good point of entry through uh, athletes to get yes. to know a uh, new country. Okay, and maybe a favorite landmark
0: in Slovenia that can be man made or
1: nature? I'm going to say the sluice gate to the Ljubljanica River, designed okay. by Plićnik, my architect buddy. That's yeah. a little bit out of the center, but only sort of a 10 minute walk. Okay. And it's fascinating if you're into art history and architecture. Okay,
0: and lastly, just a few senses as why well, someone should come and visit Slovenia.
1: Um, I think Slovenia has always been called a hidden gem, no yeah. matter how many times it's been written about. But it's really true. It surprises people how wonderful it is most people have heard of it and heard general good things but don't really have a specific idea in mind so it regularly delights and surprises in a positive way yeah okay Nara, thanks for coming on to the podcast thanks so much it's a, a great chat about Slovenia it's
0: a very niche episode I think for my podcast so can't wait to get out there and I think people should be inspired to come visit the country well, shortly. I'm, I'm delighted thanks for having me cheers dude thank you thank you for listening to my Wingin It Travel podcast episode today you can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winginit It Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last 8 to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winginit It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, And there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe. Stay humble. Keep listening. Keep traveling. And I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.